Hey everybody, welcome to Track Talk. I'm bringing you another episode from the archive. This is an excerpt from Live from My Drum Room with Clem Burke from September 12th, 2022. The great Clem Burke, of course, drummer for Blondie, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. And in this little excerpt, we talk about Clem being naturally left-handed, playing a right-handed drum set, but leading his fills with his left hand like the great Ringo Starr. Um, many comparisons made there. We also do a deep dive into some big blondie tracks. Dreaming, we get into a little bit, and it being an homage to Keith Moon, one of his heroes, and Heart of Glass, and a whole lot more. I'll put the link to the entire episode in there so you can watch the entire show. But I hope you enjoy this little clip. I'm going to attempt to play both of those tracks, Dreaming and Heart of Glass. Um, fingers crossed that they get past the, uh, the guards there at YouTube. I hope you enjoy it. Come along for the ride. I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in a little bit. I was going to say, did you ever consider when you were younger switching to left-handed? Did you, when you realized that you had this dominant left hand no, that you didn't? never did. Even when, uh, back in the day we would play at CBGB with, uh, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, uh, headlining. And I would use, uh, the drummer who was actually a big influence on me, a guy called Jerry Nolan. Some people I'm sure have heard of Jerry Nolan. He was the mm -hmm. drummer in New York Dolls. And his kit was, you know, he played a left-handed kit, but I would move it around to the, you know, to the right-handed kit. Yeah. Yeah. I never really, uh, it was just, uh, I kind of, I think it's a good, uh, good attribute now to have. It just makes my playing a little different as it does make for, you know, Mr. Star there, Mr. Starkey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. You had great foresight. That's what I was going to say is that you, you, you know, I, I started off playing on a right-handed set, um, okay. open-handed and oh, then, right. and someone said, well, you should switch and, and switch it around. And I wish I'd done what you did and actually learn to lead with my right hand and have a strong left hand. Cause mm -hmm. I think you're right. It gives you a, a whole different approach and flavor. You know, when you play those fills, it's, you know, they just have this whole other thing there's this mojo there you know that's yeah yeah it does and then but if i go around the drums i usually I just end up on basically uh, essentially a a double double hit on the you know on the right on the uh, da, 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 on the left hand to go around to be able to crash with my right hands you know yeah like you, an extended you, paradiddle yeah and you probably don't even think about it anymore right I right mean, it's, it's right. probably so yeah. natural yeah i, I yeah I, what i do think about is leading with my right quite a bit because I try to do that a lot, yeah. you know, to have that into that ambidextrous aspect to my playing. And a lot of times if I'm doing 16s, I, I'll try to lead with my right, but it's very different. It's a whole other world when I lead with my left, especially when I'm doing 16s on the hi-hat. I have so much more versatility as where I can move around, you know, leading with the left. So, um, but I, I do try to lead with the right quite a bit just to balance out my, my limbs, you know, so have yeah. them both be a, uh, you know, being able to uh, articulate what I need to do either way. So, when, so, so you, I think you answered my question. So when you, like in, in Heart of Glass, for example, when you go to that 16th note pattern on the hi-hat, and it's it's a hand-to-hand -hand thing that you're playing, right? Right, yeah. And and do you, so do you lead that with your, with I your right? I left, left. You lead with your left, left. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Wow, yeah. I got to try that. Or I, I mix it up, you know, I mix it up, but mostly leading with the left. That's the natural way to do it for me. Yeah. Man, listening to those songs again, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I know I speak for a lot of people, I'm sure, that are watching too. You know, the sound of your drums, the, you know, there was just such a great, um, 
you know, I, for lack of a better description, analog sound that you got from your drums. You know, they just sound so natural and big and organic. Um, cymbals sound fantastic. I'm thinking you were probably playing the A Zildjian, like probably medium or thin crashes back then. Yeah, A's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A's. And that's what even, I. That's what yeah. I use now. I use A's again now. I was you using do. A customs for some time, but I'm back to A's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're great. They're great cymbals. Yeah. Now that I had, a, I had a yeah. bunch, I had a bunch of those uh, the vintage ones that came out for a little while. I right. think you guys actually sent me a, an Armin symbol when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame that you had everyone sign, which you were nice yeah. enough to yep. send to me, which I treasure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Congratulations on that. I know that was a little while ago, but yeah, it was a but, while ago now. But yeah. no, but but worth mentioning, man. That's you know Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's funny enough. I I've been involved with and played with actually. Four bands now that are in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The, the most recently, my friends Annie and Dave from Eurythmics are being inducted this year. Right, and you know I, I spent quite a bit of time playing with them in, in the eighties. And uh, I, you know, right before the Blondie tour, I filled in for uh, my friend Gina Shock in the Go Go's yep. and did a handful of gigs with the Go Go's, and they uh, were inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then, of course, famously, I briefly played with the Ramones. So at Blondie Ramones. The Go-Go's and Eurythmics are all bands that I've, when people that I know, friends of mine, just great to see that they're in the hall, you know, and uh, yeah, it's great. The Hall of Fame thing was, uh, was quite an honor, you know. That's great, honor. man. And the, the people there are really nice, you know, that people that run the place are great. Yeah, yep. I, you know, I was thinking about that too, how I, I met you at the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I remember us talking at a NAMM show. It must have been right when I started at Zildjian or not long after. And I think it was at a time when Blondie was taking a little, it was like the late 80s, Blondie was yeah. taking a little bit of a break. And you were playing right. with the Romantics. And I remember, you know, thinking, what a what a cool, you know, you said, I, you were just very sort of nonchalant. You said, I said, so what are you doing? And you said, well, I, I'm playing with the Romantics now. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I'd kill to play that, to do that gig. I love that band, you know. Yeah, it's and a rocking band. Yeah. It's a rocking band, you know, and and uh, and you. I feel like there was never a time whenever I would see you until you know Blondie sort of restarted up again in the '90s that you weren't doing something, as you said. I mean, you were like always a working drummer. Um, not an easy yeah, well, thing to do, and you know. Yeah, well, Blondie was the launching pad for all of us, you know, and I was able to, uh, you know, due to the notoriety of the band and the people like us appreciated. Uh, what I did and the success of the band. And uh, I was able to kind of use that as a, a, you know, jumping off point to continue my career in the music business. And uh, yeah, the romantics, uh, that was a fun gig for me. Uh, You know, I was involved in a lot of other things while I was doing that with them as well. So it all kind of balanced out, but I I never stopped playing, you know? Yeah. That's great. And I, and I, yeah, I, I think Blondie certainly gave you a platform to, to, really showcase what you, you know, what you got, what you have, which I yeah, think well, is we, great. Yeah. Well, when we started out, we were essentially a trio, you know, with actually with Debbie up front, but the, the band was just the guitar, bass and drums. So it gave me quite a bit of room to, uh, I mean, you can make the analogy of other trios, obviously the who and things like that, uh, where there was a lot of room to uh, play the drums and kind of connect the dots with the arrangements and kind of bring, certain features that I did into an arrangement that actually was became part of the song, you know, and because uh, yeah. there was a lot of open space, you know, in the early days. Yeah. And, and again, I, I was going to, I was going to ask you that. And I always assume that those parts 
that these like killer drum parts and blondie tunes were, you know, there was parts that you came up with, it, you know, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, wasn't a producer much, yeah. or a songwriter saying, you know, yeah, yeah, pretty much, especially yeah. early on, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, something like Union City Blue later on with the drum fills at the beginning or dreaming or things like that, it just kind of just like coming up with parts, yeah, yeah, dreaming. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned dreaming, I was com coming up on my notes here because, um. That song is, again, I, I always loved it. And just listening to it while I was out running, I mean, a ridiculously great song. Yeah, it's a great drumming. song to begin with. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. So is that like an homage to Keith Moon in a, in a way? Is that like your kind yeah. of? Yeah, you could say so. But also, um, I think uh, our producer at the time, Mike Chapman, uh, who produced uh, our first, the first album he produced with us was uh, Play Parallel Lines, which is our big breakthrough record in the States. And uh, when he, he came in to do that record, he was very uh, particular about how he wanted us to work together. And he wanted every song on the album to be a hit. And so, you know, he uh, had a certain way of making records, which I enjoyed. But, uh, you know, he would really bear down on the arrangements and we'd all work together and make things uh, as to the point as possible. And I think with the success of parallel lines when he came back to do the second album that he did with us eat to the beat he kind of used mm -hmm. a reverse psychology on me especially in something like dreaming which kind of like i kind of had free reign to just go wild on it and it was actually i always mentioned it was kind of a run through and then by the time it was completed you know testing the drums going around the drums and just kind of having fun with it and uh everyone said oh no that's the take it might have been first or second take you know Holy shit. i was amazed as a, i was as surprised as anyone you know it's but, got that uh, yeah, fresh sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely uh, yeah. overplaying in a good way. Oh, and it totally. It's a, it's a, yeah. yeah. And what you just said, Clem, yeah. I mean, you could see that, like, if you had to play that five times, you know, by the yeah, first I, time, it would have probably been hard to have that enthusiasm, like that excitement that you have throughout. Yeah, it probably would have gotten a little more refined, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still, uh, have room to do whatever I choose to do when we play that song live. It's kind of like a high point of our set a lot of times. And it's always yeah. fun to play. It always gets a great response. The the part where you're playing, you know, you're playing the, the groove, like on the floor, Tom, uh, right. Like riding the, the bridge. Floor, yeah. And the, but it's almost like an homage to the Ramones too. Like it's got all these different sort of, you know, like I'm guessing like influences that you've had and, and just, but I, I hear so much like Keith moon in that just in the verses, you know, just the, I mean, I was influenced by by Tommy Ramone, the drummer in the Ramones. I, I was influenced. I think everybody at back when we all were playing at CBGB, you know, the Ramones and the Talking Heads and, uh, you know, uh, Patti Smith and people like that. I think we were all influencing one another because we were all in the audience for each other's shows early sure. on yeah. and uh, picking up on different things that people were doing and Back in the day, we used to cover songs in Blondie. We would cover Ramon's songs. We recovered songs by television and things like that. And there was a certain, uh, you know, back to the roots of rock and roll aesthetic involved with all the bands there. But everybody was doing it in their own particular way. And and I think we were all influencing one another. And yeah. uh, I think we bring that into the, the sound of Blondie today. It's kind of the sound of New York uh, CBGB, if you will. You know, uh, there's elements of that in the sound of the band to this day. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, by by all means, it's you know, Blondie has always had its own you know sound, its own uniqueness, and and uh, I just it was just kind of cool for me to like really dig into these tunes 
with almost yeah, like there's a lot there. Fresh ears, yeah. I, do. I mean, I knew you had a great relationship with Hal and with Earl Palmer, and yes, and and you know how much those guys were like all of us influenced, but listening to their songs on the radio as kids, right? And, exactly. Uh, and I, I always love that about you that you always would acknowledge, you know, their influence on you and and how you approach playing songs and. I mean, of course, they influenced people like Charlie Watts and Ringo Starr as well, you know, so it yeah. kind of like continues that uh, that inspiration, you know, follows through. And, uh, yeah, they were two of the best. I mean, what they did with all those, you know, everything, obviously, obviously as we know, from uh, from the Monkees to the Beach Boys to Phil Spector to Earl with Eddie Cochran and, and Little Richard and, uh, you know, Fats Domino and, and how with, you know, on the Nancy Sinatra stuff. And I, I mean, it's yeah. just an amazing catalog of uh, of songs that the both of them played on, which we were hearing on the radio and being influenced by unbeknownst to us. We didn't know their names at the time. But uh, as time went on, you know, people, we, we would delve into things like that and find out more history of what those songs were about and then learn, come to uh, realize that, that Hal and Earl were the ones really, really influencing everyone at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just jumping back for a second, too, when you, you know, just talking about the, the you know, the early stuff, the hits and just the, the, the records from the 70s and, and early 80s. Mm hmm. Were you playing to like in a lot of those like Heart of Glass? Are you playing to a sequencer on that song? Is there a? Well, actually, you know, it was before the days of MIDI, yeah. and what we did really was uh, in conjunction with the arpeggiated sequencer pattern, which would go out of time after a measure or two, you know, uh, because it was an analog synthesizer, Roland synthesizer. So what we were doing was really I kind of built my own click track uh, with the bass drum. So we just did the quarter note bass drum uh, in time with the uh, the 32nd note sequencer pattern. Um, and we had to do it very piecemeal because it would, wow. as I said, it would go out of time. Or So I laid down the quarter note bass drum and that essentially was the click track for that song. And then I played all the other drums on top of that. And we just programmed the, the we, we recorded the synthesizer and the bass drum together piece you know piece by piece yeah and that's yeah. how it started and then the rest of the stuff was on top because yeah because when you listen to it it sounds like like if you made that record today you'd have a you know you'd have a click track you'd have a a sequencer or something you know to to, to line right. everything all up the way it's all lined up but yeah it would be midi and the sequencer would be midi and the click track would so it would be in complete time yeah yeah perfect yeah. time that's yeah. amazing that you were. Yeah, able we to had do to that build thing. that up. Yeah, we had to build that track from the bottom up that way. It was, it was, it was, it was a work. It was a bit of work. You know, it took some time because I mean, I had to just sit there and just do quarter notes on the bass drum in conjunction with the sequencer pattern. It's, you know, not ex most exciting <laughs> thing no. to be doing, <laughs> but uh, you know, it worked out. Definitely worked out. And you know, we thought we were experimenting with electronic music. We never thought it was going to be the hit that it became. Yeah, and uh, you know. It was well, a big, uh, big open door opener for us in the states. It's you know I remember when when you were nice enough a year ago to come on the tribute to Charlie Watts that oh, right. show that I did, which was great, and and thanks again for doing that. And and you made the comment about um, you know Charlie and having missed you and and you and Blondie you having heart of glass, and I think you mentioned Carmine. Do you think I'm sexy? But right. you know, I think Charlie would forgive me, but you know, there's like heart of glass has just so much going on there's just so much 
that's such a happening tune. You know, I, you, you could never dismiss that as a, you know, as another disco song. I think anyway, I think it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a great feeling tune uh, as is miss you, of course, you know? Yeah. The heart of glass. I mean, it kind of has a new wave attitude to it or a punk yeah. rock attitude at the same time of it being a dance song. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and Debbie's voice, of course, I mean, she's, you know, I mean, just one of the all time great singers that, that, you know, now, Debbie's great. Me I forget. mean, you know, yeah. her glamour get, you know, over gets the glamour. It has it where people overlook her creativity and her amazing songwriting talents. And especially with the lyrics, you know, Debbie's amazing. You know, yeah, she's yeah, to this absolutely. day, she's great to back up for one second. And, you know, talking about what you did to, to sort of build up from the bottom of heart of glass. Had you, had you had any experience prior to that? Cause those were the early days of like sequencers and click tracks. And had you had experience playing along to a click or something with, you know, time that was, you know, no, I mean, we didn't really use a click track on any of the Blondie records, you know, back yeah. in the day, uh, sometimes a producer, Mike would be in the studio conducting us and conducting me or uh, kind of just kind of helping the track move along. But uh no, that was uh, an experiment. You know, we had that that early uh, rolling drum machine, and that to put that sync that up with the with the drums and everything was a bit of a job too. You know, because it, it all, to make it all be in time, you know, and have it work. You know, a lot of things going on there. But yeah. uh, no, I hadn't had any. You know, I, yeah, I was always open minded to to, to to any ideas people would come up with. You know, in the studio see how it would go you know that's kind of that's a big thing i think when you're working with other people especially if you're a drummer you know you have to be open-minded to other people's ideas and you know bring your ideas in but just kind of uh be up for trying ideas trying things out not to dismiss things like immediately like you know oh that's not going to work or, you know mm -hmm. just kind of go you know kind of work together yeah yeah but i Good. that was the first attempt at doing something like that yeah. Then we followed that up when we did the song Atomic on the on the E to the Beat album. Mm -hmm. Kind of a similar similar thing as far as working with sequencers and drum machines. Yeah. And when you do that song live now, do you, is there is there like a click going on to keep it all Oh Heart of Glass? Yeah, Heart of Glass. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. is uh the drum machine and the click. It's all it's all MIDI together now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I play to I play to a click. I, I well, the I live show is about uh maybe 40% to a clicks and programs and the rest is uh preform. Yeah. You know, it's a good yeah. balance. Certain songs when there's sequencers involved and, you know, programming, you, know, you got to play to a click, you know, to yeah. keep it all in sync. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy playing to a click. It's great. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, you're obviously really comfortable. You're really, you know, a lot of times, just... a lot of times I'll start the song before the click starts just to, make people a little anxious and then when the click goes comes on it's in time with the song anyway so that's that's funny that's that's pretty great that's yeah yeah that wouldn't be me <laughs> <laughs> no i remember i remember seeing you do heart of glass and i and i thought i remembered you seeing with maybe headphones at the time right yeah and um and those because you get to really stretch at the end of the tune you start playing all those fills during the sort right. of the vamp and and it was just right there. It was like, you know, just perfect. Everything was right in there. And um, yeah, that's definitely to a click with because the sequence is going in, the drum machine's going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those programs are happening during the, the body of the song. All right. The moment you've been waiting for Dreaming and Heart of Glass by Blondie. Check out Clem's homage to Keith Moon and Dreaming. He's just playing these 
drum fills throughout the entire song. It's great. We also talk about him riding the floor tom, uh, which is a, a bit of an homage to the Ramones and uh, Heart of Glass, you know, those 16th notes on the hi-hat and uh, just some incredibly tasteful drumming all the way through. So check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.
All right, well, that's my show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give it a like, leave me a comment, let me know what you think. Uh, as always, I do appreciate you watching and listening. And remember, you can download all these episodes as podcasts on all the podcast platforms. I appreciate your support. And uh, remember, no drummers are ever harmed during track talk or live from my drum room. And drummers, when in doubt, leave it out. All right, until next time, thanks again for watching and for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thanks.